Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 106. I hope everybody has had a fantastic summer. Not that it's not still summer, but as you all are very well aware, I took a few weeks off to spend some time with my daughter before we got her back down to North Carolina for ballet school. Uh, So I really enjoyed unplugging just a little bit, and I hope that you guys didn't forget all about us. Uh, But during the time that I took off, I did a ton of great interviews. We've got a ton of great content coming up for you over the next several weeks, and I'll be with you every single week all the way up to Thanksgiving is my plan as of right now. Uh, When we left off back in uh, late June, early July, We were hoping that COVID would end and we could get back to some live music. And as you know, that has not happened as of yet, but we're holding out hope. Uh, The good news is you can pretty much get any drummer you want on the telephone right now. So uh, I've been busy getting uh, some great interviews together for all of you to listen in on. Today is going to be no exception to that. I am going to talk to one of the hottest young female jazz stars in all of music, Miss Shirazette Tenen will be joining me right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned before the break there, we are about to be joined by Shirazette Tenen. 
um, just one of the upcoming stars in the world of jazz. Uh, she also happens to be uh, just a phenomenal human being. So I, I think you'll get a lot out of this interview. And if you're not familiar with Shirazette, get hip quick. Uh, this this young lady can absolutely smoke a drum set. I promise you that. Uh, we talk a little bit about her album, and, and this interview was conducted way back, uh, I think, at the end of June, first part of July. And in the interim, her record has come out. Uh, it's called Sonic Wallpaper Volume 1, The Cards That Life Can Deal. And she talks about the story of how she kind of came up with this. And it's a little bit on the, uh, you know, avant-garde side of jazz, dare I say, but it is absolutely wonderful. And it is a mix of great jazz playing. Um, you have some hip hop influences in there, um, some poetry influences in there. It's just a really cool record uh, that I think everybody should run out and pick up. Again, it's called Sonic Wallpaper Volume 1, The Cards That Life Can Deal, released right under her own name, Shirazette Tenen. Uh, so I, I, again, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. And Shirazette is a wonderful teacher and all of her contact information uh, is in the end of this interview if anybody wants to reach out to her. So without further ado, help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle, Shirazette Tenen. Hey, good morning, Shirazette. How are you? Good morning. I'm, I'm very well. I'm very well, considering the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've had so many folks on and, you know, talking about, you, you know, just COVID and, and all the weirdness that's going on in the country right now. And it it has really put the music industry on its knees. You know, I mean, there is there's no live playing anywhere right now no. at, at the time of recording. And I know that's really tough for for everybody. But, you know, somebody like you that, you know, just put out a great new solo record. Um, it's hard to get out and promote that stuff. I mean, how are you adapting to it? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's such a great question. Uh, how am I adapting? Um, well, I was fortunate to um, be allowed to bring my rhythm section, my piano player, my bassist uh, to where I live um, when I'm in New York. And fortunately, it has a stage. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I, I, I live in a church when I'm, when I'm here in New York. And um, so I, I coordinated for them to come up and we did the whole social distancing thing and we rehearsed and did some recording and then we uh, did my presentation of the album um, around, I think it was 7.15, 7.30 p.m. Uh, as, a, as a release promo for it and I have the video. Um, other promotion I'm doing is just... Uh, everything social um, online. So yeah. I'm just on Instagram and Facebook talking about it. And I also have a newsletter that I write. So um, I'm sending it out by email every way possible that I can. And, um, you know, um, my, my partner is also in, a musician. So uh, she, she sang 
the portion that would usually be for my my other vocalist, and and that's how I was able to pull it off. So I was blessed. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure, and you know, and we'll talk about the record because it really is a good listen, I, you know. And I, I'm not typically a you know a jazzer. I love jazz music, but it, it's not what I personally play. Um, but uh-huh. your your record has this really cool, almost fusiony, you know, pop jazz vibe to it, and, and it's hard to explain. But there's a lot of influences in there. But if we can, I want to kind of rewind and talk about your background a little bit because I think it's really cool. Um, tell us all, you know, where you grew up and and how you got into drumming to begin with. Okay. So I grew up, um, born and raised in North Carolina in a little small town called um, Pleasant Grove. It's right outside. Um, and I, I started loving music at a very young age, uh, especially because my parents and um, my grandparents were influential with that. My my mom was a trombonist. Um, and she, she actually marched for the one year that she went to a State University. And she's called Homecoming Queen, which is crazy. Uh, That's awesome. My dad, yeah, my dad uh, was a vocalist. Uh, and he had a group of brothers, and they actually did a lot of singing around Burlington. And um, they were supposed to open up for Sam Cooke. Oh, nice. <laughs> he told me the story. Yeah, and one of his brothers decided not to show up because he was like, oh, he, he he never showed and we didn't have the, the harmony and it was crazy. We didn't get to open up for him because we weren't going to sound good. I was like, oh, wow, that's insane. And um, <laughs> so that that never popped off, um, unfortunately, you know, to fame. But I grew up in church hearing my parents sing and they would travel with the churches and the church that I went to is called Sweet Gum Baptist Church. And so I was a super, super little, super young when I got baptized, but didn't have a drum set down in the organ. So everything was super, super um, folklore, you know, like. Yeah. Churches, and they used basically, you know, their body to to make the profession. It was later on that they got drunk. So by the time that happened, we didn't attend the church anymore. Uh, and moving forward, I was about four years old when I saw Sheila E. on what was MTV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I saw her playing and throwing up her sticks, and they glowed in the dark. She spun around and caught them, and I told my parents, I was like, that is what I want to play. I want to play drums. And they looked at me like, okay. And <laughs> and they got me this little banged-up drum set from somewhere. It didn't last very long, because my parents, didn't, we didn't really have a lot of money. Um, so the real turn around in my life for music came when the theater schools, when you're in elementary, uh, my director was from uh, <clears throat> Woodlawn Middle School, which is out in Mebane, and he was also the band director for the high school, which is Eastern Alabama. so he came and visited uh, 
Pleasant Grove Middle, I mean, Pleasant Grove Elementary when I was a fourth grader. And he had this jazz band. We're in the band, I found out later, was Greg Harvey, my drum instructor on in high school. Uh, they came through, performed for us, and they were telling us about their band program. And all of my peers in school with me said, hey, isn't that what you want to do? Don't you want to play drums? I was like, yeah, it is, it is, blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> and so lo and behold, when I got to middle school, I, uh, I joined the band and I played clarinet for two weeks, which was the ba- the band agreement. <laughs> and then after two weeks, I got put in the back. I was like, hey, it's, it's two weeks, and I got to go to the back so I could be in the percussion section. He, he said, he laughed, and he said, okay, all right, go back there. Um, and, while, you know, while I was de- developing as a musician, I was also actually developing as an athlete, and I started playing um, might and midget lead basketball before I got to middle school. I was nine years old when I started doing that, and uh, my mom and that program, so, and they did because my asthma was so bad that they were trying to help me grow out of it, and it, it actually worked. So when I got into the band program in sixth grade, after sixth grade, you can play sports in seventh grade and on up. So I tried out for the basketball team. So I was in band and basketball, and that was the cycle for me from middle school. And when I got to high school, I uh, started doing band camp yeah. with the drum line. We had our own band camp that we would do before the rest. So we on all week four, and I started marching snare drum actually in middle school. Oh wow! Which I thought, yeah, like <laughs> my yeah. band director was pretty slick with it. He uh, he started developing us as marching band students, and not just concert band students, and not ensemble students. I was concert band and jazz ensemble, and I was marching in seventh grade, but I was in concert band and jazz ensemble in sixth grade. It was, it was pretty, it was a pretty dope program. I didn't, didn't until after, uh, I relocated notice of programs didn't have that type of system like, um, programs in North Carolina. But anyway, so I started marching snare drum for the parades and stuff, um, in seventh grade. And by the time I got to ninth grade, I was the first female drum captain, and I, I co-captained, co-captained with um, another drummer named Alan Fogelman. <laughs> and so it was me, him, and uh, oh, there's another drummer who who ended up, where did he, I, I can't remember where he went. But anyway, so we became the main drum line, and Michelle Thompson was on bass drum, and she was also playing basketball with me in high school. And so... We became the uh, like top drum line in the 1A to 2A division for Alamance County. And that's when I started learning about all county jazz ensemble. I don't, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with all, all county jazz ensemble? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I started trying out for that for all county band and all county jazz ensemble. And I continued to excel in it, and I started winning awards for that. And 
I met this drummer from Western Alamance. He was the band director. His name was Mr. Eddie Harris. And I remembered him because he looked at me with this, this curiosity and he gave me his sticks and he said, keep playing. And, um, it was the first time that I actually had to sight read new music. So I was like, Oh, okay. I gotta read, I gotta work on my sight reading and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I did all County again the following year. And that's how I, um, made my connection with Appalachian state university because, uh, Dr. Todd Wright, uh, is still at Appalachian. And at that, during that time, he was the all County jazz director, my second year doing all County. And, uh, he had this little, this chart, this big band chart. And it was crazy because I had a solo at the beginning with triplets. It was like, and I, I couldn't read triplets yet. So I was like, wait, what is this? And so he had another drummer, uh, show it to me and he played it. And I got it just like that. So my ears are very, very strong. Um, and so the cycle for me through high school was basketball, concert band, jazz ensemble, track. Summers would be basketball camp and then band camp. And I did that constant cycle. I just kept playing until I graduated. And by the time I graduated, I had the opportunity to... Um, applied to Appalachian and I only applied to two schools, Appalachian State University and A&T State University. And I never heard anything back from A&T State University. And my band director had attended Appalachian State University when it was a teaching school before it even became a university. And he said, I still have contacts there. So not only was he connected to Mr. Todd Wright, but he also was connected to the marching band director. And so I think it was my junior year in high school that the marching band was going to competitions and we would, the drum line would beat out for a drum line. Even if our horn section wouldn't win superior, the drum line was winning superior. And <laughs> I thought that was insane um, that, you know, we were just small drum line and we were kicking butt and beating these really big drum lines that had all these uh, double headed premier percussion instruments. And, you know, but I, I owe that a lot to um, our, our band, our drum tech, who was Greg Harvey, because without him, I wouldn't have became the first drum captain. And he actually put me on quads. So I, I marched quads from ninth grade through high school played drum set in the big band. I played concert percussion in the concert band. And that was my development. And I didn't realize how um, strong of a player that was going to make me and make other opportunities for me later on. I, I, I just love to play. So when I got to Appalachian, because yes, they accepted me, uh, I had a rude awakening because um, I didn't play mallet percussion. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. But I mean, so, but having all that drumline experience all through middle school, all through high school, um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I did not come up in that path, but drummers that do come up through marching and, and you know, ensembles and, you know, jazz band and things like that, they just have such a you know, ability to, you know, sight read, obviously, and the rudiments are so strong. Um, you know, it, it's impressive, you know, I mean, it really right. is. 
So, you know, Appalachian State is obviously, you know, a wonderful school up there in Boone, North Carolina. And I know you right. did uh, all four years there. And, and then you you went on and, and got a master's degree uh, from Northern Illinois. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you are a, a well-educated percussionist, in other words, you know, it, it, when you, yeah. you know, when you get those uh, advanced degrees, and I think your, um, you, your degree from Northern Illinois includes jazz pedagogy, correct? Yes, it does. It, it does. Okay. Yeah. So, but let me ask you this, and, and this is just kind of a curiosity, you know, as a young kid in North Carolina, you know, you said you grew up in church and, and that was kind of your first, um, you know, exposure to drumming and things like that. And then obviously, you know, through middle school and high school, you're doing drum lines and jazz band and all that. What was the draw to jazz? Were your parents into jazz music as well? I, I mean, or is that just a natural progression? Uh, you know, it has to do with my, my mom and my dad, the music that they played in the house. And it varied. It, it varied from not just jazz music, but also uh, the Chitlin Circuit music, like James Brown. Sure. Um and my mom used to listen to um, this artist from Chicago. He he wasn't from Chicago originally, but oh my god, I can't believe him. I can't, I'm going to remember his name later. But she played a lot of variations of music in the house. My dad mainly just listened to um, um, gospel artists like uh, Morning. What is it? Canton Spirituals. He listened to people like that. Sure. And, but my mother, she was very diverse. She listened to everything. And this band from Chicago, she used to go see the group when they would tour and come back to North Carolina. And um, so, you know, I grew up in the era where you could buy 10 CDs for 10 cents. Oh, sure. Yeah. BMG <laughs> and Columbia House yeah, and all that. Oh, exactly. yeah. So, so she would uh, buy me all this music. And within the things that she would buy, big band music would be part of um, that experience. And so I, I actually started listening to big band in middle school be because of playing it. And I actually would ask her to purchase me Duke Ellington and Count Basie. And I would listen to that. I would listen to that. I would listen to hip hop because, you know, I grew up in that the era of when hip hop was just becoming more and more um, out there. And so my brothers also were a big part of that influence too, because they're 10, nine and eight years older than me. So when I was little, I would see them listen to artists like Janet Jackson and, and pet shop boys and, and then uh, Led Zeppelin and the police. So it, I was just influenced by my parents and my siblings and and I remember uh, putting a cassette tape in the radio and I watched them do it. I was only about five or six and they would record music off the radio oh, by sure. putting tissue in the cassette tape. So I would listen <laughs> to the radio and as soon as a song would come on that I wanted to hear over and over, I hit the record button. So um, those were the main reasons why I, I really love jazz and all different styles of music you know yeah so. well that's that's that, that's awesome 
um, <laughs> you know, to, to have such a diverse, you know, set of influences as a drummer. And I think some of that, you know, shows through in in the new record, you know, I and as I said early on, you know, it's I, I can't hardly put it into words. And, and, you know, certainly this isn't about me, but when I listened through, I was like, well, there's definitely a jazz influence. I could hear some of the, you know, pop or or hip hop influence in there. Um, it, it's a really cool fusion of a lot of different styles. Was that what you were going for uh, when you were composing this, or is it just what came out? Um, that's a great question. So, yes, I I wanted to to create something based off of my my own personal experiences. Uh, mainly because when I did my first album, I I kind of forced myself to try to make it completely straight ahead. And looking back on that uh type of writing that I did, I felt as though I wasn't as successful as I wanted to be because I, I kind of like forced it. So a lot of people like the first album, but I don't. But with this, with this second, with this third album, actually, um, it was coming mainly from an emotional uh, experience uh, because I, I'd, I've discovered the more that I write and have become comfortable with it. I, I write from a, a emotional experience standpoint and, um, Believe it or not, a lot of times melody or bass parts come first. It's it, the rhythmic stuff, even though it's what's natural for me, comes after the fact. Um, so I just basically try to uh, not force it and be natural and accept whatever came out. And and because of my Afro-Peruvian um, experiences that I've had, I. I got this opportunity to play an Afro-Peruvian ensemble about over over 10 years ago, actually over 11 years ago. And I didn't realize that experience was going to become a, a foundational part of my playing. But because I've played in an Afro-Peruvian ensemble, I've studied in Peru to learn the rhythms and play them on cajon. Um, and I've also played with an a African artist um, named Africanita and been in her band and, and recorded with her that a lot of pure African rhythms are also influential in my playing. So there's a lot of Latin, a lot of African and a lot of swing on top of, you know, me playing pocket and listening to, Going back one second, the artist is Tyrone Davis. So I grew up listening to a lot of uh, R&B from Tyrone Davis because of my mom. So a lot of that is part of my foundation as well. So um, that's why this this album sounds the way it does, because I feel as though I'm more mature as a composer and as a band leader. And I knew exactly what I wanted to say this time. So that's that's what you hear. You hear that blending coming from that. And I'm a Janet Jackson fanatic. So <laughs> I've <laughs> I listened to every Janet Jackson song ever. I'm a huge flight time, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, yeah. um, you know, 
inspired by all of that. So that 90s R&B, that, that 80s and 90s hip hop, you, you hear and you feel all of that coming through. Yeah, well, and you definitely do. And, you know, as I listen through, you know, you've got um, several, you know, interludes, you know, through, throughout the, the record, which I, I think kind of ties it all together, which is really cool. But, um, you know, for, for those that ha- haven't figured out what we're talking about yet, um, the album is called Sonic Wallpaper Volume 1. Um, and it is released under your name, Shirazette Tenen. Um, and it's a really good record. You know, it, 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 it's, you know, it probably wouldn't be something that would have been on my radar had I not had you on the show, you know, because Uh it's different for me. It's not really in, in my lane, so to speak. But when I listen to, uh, through the, the album, um, you know, I, I could really see what you were going for here. And it's, it really is a great work. I mean, it really is. And I, I think everybody should give it a, a listen because it's got a lot of really cool stuff in there and your drumming is spot on, you know, for people that love, you know, good drumming, this is a, a record for them for sure. Um, talk to me a little bit about the process of getting the record together. Where did you record it? Okay. Uh, so the the process actually started, uh, in 2016. Um, I started writing it as a healing project, um, to just help me digest the fact that my family, we were trying to accept the fact that my father, my mom's husband of 49 years, may not survive cancer. And so um, the first song on the album, Cars That Life Can Do, uh, we, when I say we, I'm talking about my friend Shana Small. Um, during the process, I was trying to write, you know, a creative, a creative, creative visualization idea where it's like, all right, let me write about what, I want to happen instead of what I don't want to happen. So Cars That Life Can Do was the first song that I started writing. And we we began the recording process, believe it or not, in my apartment. <laughs> so nice. we didn't we didn't do the studio until maybe another year after. So Cars That Life Can Do was first and and then I started, you know, thinking about the perspective of my mother and what she's having to deal with seeing her husband, you know, go from able body to not being able to clothe himself and eat on his own. So, um, drowning came next. Uh, and, uh, and then there started becoming this conflict between me and my siblings, especially one in particular. And I started, trying to understand what he was dealing with. And I kept questioning, like, why are you behaving this way? So I actually wrote most of the tunes on my own or, or I would get somebody else to listen to the lyrics that I had written and, you know, help me to write it in a way that a vocalist could understand it. Cause I was just writing as in, in a diary form, the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 
and uh, I just used my computer um, and GarageBand because I, I couldn't always get together with my band, nor could I really afford it because, you know, I, I was going back and forth between New York and North Carolina to relieve my mother of uh, the stress of my my father having to need 24-hour home care. Um, so financially, I was like, all right, I can do this with just my laptop and my Akai MPC keyboard, and I'll sing all the melodies, then I'll, I'll have people that I trust that are vocalists to check out the melodies and give me feedback on how I can make it better. And so that was part of the process, and then I started rehearsing my rhythm section and whatever grooves that I had came up with, you know, with the orchestrations that I had, I would give them um, a basic foundation and then they would just make it better. Cause you know, I, I play a little bass. I don't play any horns. Um, I play enough piano to, to pose, but I'm that those are not my primary instruments. So uh, I would let them build upon my, my skeleton idea. And from that standpoint, and all of this happened within a year and a half, I started something called living room sessions where I actually performed in my living room because, you know, being a artist, that's a side man. Most of the time venues don't want to, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, book, book a drummer. Yeah. I, yeah. I know <laughs> all their, about it <laughs> <laughs> with their own band. It's like, yo, what's up with that? Come on. We had Max Rhodes, Tony Williams, you know, uh, but anyway, so that, that was the process for over a year and a half. And then, um, after my, my dad passed away nine months later, I continued to, to write other music and, and past tense became another track because I was trying to figure out how to, to move on and how to, to explain to others what it's like to, to have a dad that you, you thought was going to beat cancer and he didn't beat it and how it hurts to be so close to your parents and, and, you know, you can't see them anymore. So all those songs were derived from that experience. Uh, and then the interludes came about because my siblings had a hard time in North Carolina and it wasn't that it wasn't as difficult for me as it was for them, but they're, they're black men in North Carolina. And, yeah. and unfortunately I didn't know that there was going to be civil rights movement going on, but it makes sense as you know, there are stories that I have, about being, you know, uh, in band in high school and being around people that I kind of felt were racist, but I wasn't sure but they would act certain kind of ways. And, and then getting to Appalachian and, and people yelling the word nigger and dyke at me. So I wrote those interludes to, to, uh, to basically defuse what my siblings went through um, and and what I experienced growing up in the South and and not just the South, you know, just being a, a female drummer and having conflict and people looking at you different because you play an instrument that they think is supposed to be only from a masculine standpoint. I'm like, okay, you're very ignorant, but all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so, I, uh, and not to interrupt, but I, you know, yeah. I, I just want to go on the record and say this right now. 
you know, we try on this show to have as many artists, whether they're male, female, that, that it makes no difference. And it does, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, African-American, Cuban, uh, you know, Latino, it it does not matter to me. You're either a great musician or you're not. It's, it's that, it's that simple. And, you know, as someone who has grown up as a white male, I can't understand some of those struggles that other people Mm -hmm. have. You know what I mean? Because I haven't had those same struggles. But, you know, here's what I want to say about you. And, and, you know, you didn't come on here to go through your resume, obviously. But if anybody has any doubt uh, about Shira Zett, you know, she was um, the house drummer for the Meredith Vieira show on NBC. You have played with Alicia Keys. Um, you, (laughs) You know, I mean, you have studied with Cindy Blackman Santana. Um, you know, you're no joke. I mean, you know, you've played at the Apollo theater, you've played at at Carnegie. Um, you know, you have taught, you have studied with Terry Lynn Carrington. Um, you know, you have multiple endorsements, you know, Sabian, uh, Canopus, Vic Firth, International Association of Jazz Educators. Look, you've got a resume that speaks for itself. So let me say on behalf of all drummers, I'm sorry you had to go through that because that's I appreciate it's it. total bullshit. It's total bullshit because you are a certified stone cold badass drummer. So I, <laughs> so I, let's get that out of the way. Now, I, I'm sorry that I interrupted, but right now in this country we have something going on and i think people are finally just sick and tired of it whether it's racism sexism you know sexual orientation it it doesn't matter you love who you love you were born who you were born you you know i mean i look it's let's get past all these labels you you know so uh, so i just wanted to say that i think people are finally sick and tired of the labels and you know what you're doing is incredible work so thank you you're you're very welcome i appreciate it i appreciate it yeah so I, that's how the process began um in, basically in my home in my little tiny laptop um <laughs> and uh before we went to an actual studio um, I took my R24 track recorder uh, to Maryland with me to finish the uh, demo track with Shana Small, who sings um, Cars That Life Can Do. And it's so funny because um, during that time that my dad was sick, you know, I would I would drive down to North Carolina and I left my bag, my engineering bag, with all my gear in my in my Jeep. I went to go pick up my mom and take her over to the uh, the little uh, re- rehabilitation home where my dad was. And believe it or not, within that uh, 10 minutes of going in the house to get my mom and coming back out, and I usually do this in North Carolina, I don't lock my door. I came out and I didn't realize until about uh, three or four hours later, it was about one in the morning, and I, I forgot to mention this, but I was driving Uber um, to recoup some of the money that I would 
and going back and forth and helping my parents. And somebody had stole my bag with my laptop in it. And I was like, are you kidding me? And my original chart for my dad of the cars that life can deal was in the bag. And I, and I couldn't find that or my wallet and it was missing for about maybe five months. And I came back in January in the winter and the bag was in the bushes in the snow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And my laptop was still in the bag and it was completely ruined. (laughs) And I was, And I was like, are you kidding me? So (laughs) something did not want me to release this album, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to release it anyway. And um, I had planned on uh, releasing it sooner, but I'll explain that later. So me and my family went into the studio um, about, uh, what was it, 2018. So my dad dad passed in um, April... 2016 and I brought my mom up with me to New York to hang out for a little while for about maybe like two or three months I didn't want her to be alone and she got to see me still work on the music and continue to play and I actually still went on the road right after my dad passed because I had to take care of my mom so I was like all right I can't really can't really hit pause right now. And it was probably good that I didn't hit pause. Um, so music really uh, kept me going. I was on the road with Alan Harris, and I was working for Apple. So it was crazy. I was doing Uber, working for Apple, and I was touring. And Apple, thank, thank you, Apple. Because <laughs> 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 they really, they hired artists, and they understand the grind. So the grind is real. Um, but anyway, with fast forwarding, uh, I went into the studio at Bunker. It's called the Bunker, and it's in Brooklyn. And I love the Bunker because they have some of the greatest engineers in the world. And <clears throat> uh, I I had planned the recording session about three or four months in advance. That's how popular the Bunker is. So. I planned the recording session, the first part, and what's really crazy, my band will vouch for this. They were like, are you insane? You trying to do what? I recorded two different bands in one day in less than six hours. Wow. (laughs) And yeah, I recorded a trio with a different group because I wanted to really utilize the recording studio time because it's not cheap. It's very expensive and I... I had to save up and I had to get, you know, a producer involved to help invest in the project. Um, you know, and on on top of financially taking care of my parents, it was like, how am I going to do this guy? But I need to do this and I need to get this out. So anyway, um, I had pre-planned about four months in advance to go into studio in February of 2018. And during that time, it would make it, I think, yeah, almost two years with my dad being gone. And within that second year, uh, me and my uh, partner at the time, we brought my mom up to spend Christmas with us. So that'd be 2017. Um, And my mom started not feeling very well. She already was like exhausted from taking care of my father, but I noticed that it it was worse. 
And so during that time of Christmas before it hit 2018, we had to take her to the hospital. And that's when I discovered my mom had been keeping a secret about having kidney problems. And so by the time I had to go into the studio, I was in Australia and I got a phone call from my mom, from my siblings saying that my mom was in ICU. Oh, wow. So while I was in, yeah, so while I was in Australia uh, playing with Alan Harris at Bird's Basement, it's a really cool spot. Um, and we, it, it was already like my second or third time going to Australia to play there. And so what happened was my mother's kidneys and her heart, all this stuff was going on and her diabetes was getting worse. And just losing your husband, you put her in ICU for, for the first time ever. And so I was playing, worried about my mom, had just recently lost my dad, and I was about to go on the studio with my band. And so when I got back to from Australia, I couldn't go straight home because I had already planned this recording session. I couldn't um, reschedule it. So I had to keep talking to my mom every day. And I was talking to everybody at like five in the morning because, you know, it's a huge time zone yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, it was very stressful. And when I finally flew back to, to New York to record in Brooklyn at Bunker, uh, I did the recording session. And right after the recording session was over, I literally took a nap, got in the car and drove to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean, it, it sounds like the whole project is just a, a an exercise in perseverance, you know, to make sure that, you know, you get this thing out. And it, it was a, you know, shall I say a long birthing uh, process for the album. I mean, it's just, it's such a great project. Um, it really is. And, you know, I, I guess the the next obvious question is, mm -hmm. you know, you want this in as many hands as possible, but, you know, let's assume that the global health pandemic, you know, ends and you're allowed to get out and play some shows. Do you have mm -hmm. plans to tour uh, in support of the album or is it more of a, um, you know, I, I put out this record, I'm going to do whatever I can, but I'm not really going to take those musicians on the road. That's a great question. So my ultimate goal is yes, to tour the project. Um, before the album release, I did do a festival called the Pittsburgh live festival. I don't know if you heard about it. It's really, it's really amazing. And I did a pre, uh, introduction into what the music was going to be about with Sonic Wallpaper, um, which is the band name. I, I should mention that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great band. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so before COVID hit, uh, I had been talking to uh, Alan Harris's partner who manages him. She also manages other bands. Her name is Pat Harris. And I had been doing APAP. I don't know if anybody is familiar with APAP, but it's a platform that happens every January. It's basically a showcase. And anybody in the music industry is at this showcase, and you basically pay to be in the showcase. And your showcase may not be any longer than 15 to 30 minutes. And I've done that uh, 
three years now with um, Sonic Wallpaper, and I did it with another trio ensemble that I was trying to promote. So, yes, I've been promoting with the idea of um, touring with the ensemble. And uh, right now I'm strategically working on how to – because there are a couple of venues that are opening up starting in July – in, in New York, okay. uh, like, uh, what is it called? Um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but I'm going to be playing there unless something happens uh, and COVID gets worse. But I'm playing there in July with Alan, and so I'm going to start talking to those venues that only allow, like, 50 p- people capacity, depending on the size of the room, to tr- try to get sonic wallpaper out there. And... um Jazz Roads has a program where they'll give you grants to tour in areas that don't have as much musical sure. uh, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so my goal is to find areas cuz I want to I want to come to North Carolina and you know just be there and and grow with my community back there as well. So, the goal was to have a a dirty, dirty South tour. That's what I was going to call it. Where I, start, <laughs> where I start from New York. And then as soon as I hit the Mason Dixon line, just find venues, but smaller venues, not major ones. And, and bring the music there because I feel like, um, growing your fan base means that you need to get new people, not the same people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that when you, you know, uh, you mentioned a sideman earlier, right? But as a yeah. drummer, when you release a solo project, you know, it's got your name on it. It is very difficult to get attention, um, you know, unless your name is Peter Erskine, Bill Stewart, <laughs> you know, et cetera. Right. Very hard to get attention um, and to pay your band to yeah. go out on the road, it's almost an insurmountable bar uh, to get over as, you know, as a drummer. It really is. So I, yeah. my hope is that you get to do that because people deserve to hear this. They really do. I mean, it's it's a great, great record. And, and I hope that we can help you in some small way to, to get it in the hands of the peeps. Um, yeah, I, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it's it's doing really well uh, on jazz is, um, and they they chose one of the tracks called Past Tense to be the track of the week, and that was um, last week. Nice. Um, yeah, and it it made the jazz is playlist on Spotify. So I I created a link, and um, anybody can go to jazz's playlist and see the song and it's amazing it's amazing because um I'm, I'm featuring so many different artists like i have stephanie christian who's from detroit and i met her in north carolina like on a one-off and we've been we've been buddies since and charnay wade who's an amazing jazz vocalist is doing spoken word with a a dancer who also sings from urban Bushwomen, which is another a, a dance company so I mean, everybody on the album is also why the album is so, I think, great and and powerful because I feel like I chose the right people to help support me. And and as Shana Small would say, be a conduit um, for me. You know, uh, Corey Wallace, Chris McBride, 
Nimrod speaks like he's my favorite bass player. And then Sandoval is one of the most amazing pianists ever. Um, I mean, like she, she takes, it's just, it's just beautiful, you know, and platforms that you can find it on. It's on every single social media platform, uh, from Spotify to iTunes to it's getting in jazz magazines and, and I'm trying to also help it cross over into other radio stations. Like my goal is to have, uh, Steve Harvey play one of my songs. There, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it, it can't, it can't hurt. So, right. Well, excellent. Now, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, mm-hmm. And one of our traditions here on the Drum Shuffle is we always ask our guests for a good piece of advice. And, okay. you know, it sounds like, um, you know, th- this project, y- you've gone through a lot of stuff over the past few years. And yeah, it- it's a lot to try to unpack. But I know you've learned a lot. So, Give us all, you know, as drummers, a a good piece of advice that we can carry out in our day-to-day lives. Wow. Um, I would say that nothing is impossible as long as you make room and time for yourself as well as others, but don't sacrifice yourself to the point to where you have nothing left to give. Um, that is what I would have to say. You, you have to make sure that you are moving forward no matter what is happening in your life. Do not allow anything to stop you from being a positive uh, example in the community. And the biggest thing I would say is you can't allow fear to interrupt your life because God is scared of fear. Um, he gave us a sound mind and a sound body. And it's only through experience that we become afraid of certain things. So don't be afraid of anything. As long as it's something that can be beneficial and help you grow, try every avenue as a musician, as a person, as a human being. At least try something once something safe don't do anything crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah don't don't juggle chainsaws that's not what she's saying right. here yeah so send all complaints to shira's at tenon not jamie eads okay so <laughs> um if you try something unsafe it did not come from me it came from shira's so um shira's one last thing before we let you go um i, I know that you teach as well Tell everybody where they can find you. I'm assuming through your website, but you know, let, let us know where folks can find and follow you on socials. Yeah, sure. So you can find me. Uh, my Instagram is Shirazette, she beats Tenon. And uh, you can reach out to me as, as you said, through my website, which is shirazettenon.com. Or if you want to study in a collegiate setting, I do teach uh, applied lessons um, at New Jersey City University. And they're always looking for great young musicians and or old musicians that still want to get a degree. Uh, so, and you can also just email me um, if you want. You know, sure is at 10 and at Gmail. That's cool with me. And... Because that's what Cindy Blackman did with me. I just called her up and she called me back. So I will pass it on. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I, it, that's a really good point. People say to me all the time, they, they will ask, they'll say, man, how did you get Marco Miniman to come on the drum shuffle? And I was like, I sent him an email. You know, I mean, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's that simple. If you have somebody's email address, you send them an email, they may respond. You never know, right? Exactly. So, um, I, you know, and, and the old saying is you're only about three phone calls away from anybody on the face of the earth. You know, if you know, if you know where to ask, right, you, you, you're usually about three contacts away from anybody that you want to reach out to. So, um, everybody reach out to Shirazette. She's a great teacher, great drummer. Shirazette, thank you so much for coming on the Drum Shuffle. We really do appreciate it. And Oh, man, thank you. I'm so excited for you having me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And keep us posted on what's going on. You're welcome here anytime. If the tour does indeed happen, let me know what those dates are, and we'll make sure we share it with our folks and get some folks to come out and say hi in person. Yeah, most definitely. You know, we gotta we gotta talk after this because uh, you know you're in Kentucky, so I, I need to bring the band to Kentucky. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I've got some ideas for you. So I appreciate right. your time, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. All right, have a good day. You too. Thank you. All right, guys and girls, that's gonna wrap up episode 106 of the Drum Shuffle. As always, thank you guys so much for downloading, streaming, and listening to The Drum Shuffle. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you doing so each and every week. If you like the show, the biggest thing you can do to help us out, we don't ask for money, we ask you to share a link with a friend. Just tell somebody about the show. It helps us to continue to grow, and we appreciate it more than you will ever possibly imagine. Uh, as always, we answer every single email that we get here at The Drum Shuffle. That email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can always find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. Uh, guys and girls, we have a tremendous list of drummers coming up on future episodes, and you're not going to want to miss it. Just a few of the names of folks that I've interviewed over the summer that you're going to hear from over the next few weeks, Danny Gottlieb, uh, Noah Levy, Michael Bland from Prince and Soul Asylum. Can't wait for you to hear that. Got an interview with The Dude. Harry Myrie, can't wait for you to hear that one either. We've got a lot of great guests coming up, so please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen in. It helps us, and again, we have some great content coming up. Uh, again, I hope everybody had a great summer. Thanks for tuning back in. Now that we're back uh, you know, on our regular weekly schedule, we're going to keep bringing you these interviews. Uh, we welcome all suggestions. If you have a suggestion for a guest, drop us an email at the drumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. And as you'll hear in some upcoming weeks, uh, a listener did reach out and say, hey, here's some guys that I think you should have on the show. Uh, and that gentleman ended up on the show himself. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that coming up. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, 
May your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. 